And welcome to another episode of the Jay and Rob Toy Show. I'm your host, Rob McCallum, but I'm only one half of the pair advertised at the beginning of this program. So allow me to bring on the cheesy Doritos to my all-dressed chips, Mr. Jay Bartlett. How are you tonight, sir? <laughs> That's awesome. What's up, buddy? How are you? <laughs> I am doing good, and I am ready to talk toys this evening, if you are. Ah, I certainly am. Let's get right to it. Just before we jump into that, of course, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to do. If you're listening on the audio side, please make sure you give us a review and leave us a rating so more people can discover our wonderful brand of mayhem. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and ring that little bell so you get notified every time we go live with our lively toy discussion. Now, of course, we've been talking about our big news a lot, Jay. And last week, we unveiled, finally, that we've been commissioned by Super Channel Jinx Esports TV to have two shows, the Jay and Rob Toy Show and five favorite figures, which is pretty awesome. How's it been for that week for you? Really exciting. Um, and, and we can tell right now we've upgraded the cameras and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, the whole process has been really cool. Um, shooting for the first show. I, I'm just super pumped, man. I'm just, you know, trying to stay grounded and pinch myself and make sure it's real, which it is. So it's awesome. It's real. And on that note, for everybody that's watching, our camera and our colors are going to look a little grayed out because we're using cinema quality cameras and lenses right now. And that allows us the flexibility once we're in post-production to color it with a little bit more ease. So it's not your monitors, no need to adjust your TV set. We look a little dull and desaturated on purpose because tonight's show is going to be recorded for possible use in our broadcast debut of the Jay and Rob Toy Show. And as such, we're going to have a little bit of a format change, too. We're going to do one topic and then have an action figure spotlight and then do another topic and have an action figure spotlight. And at the end of that, we'll get to some Patreon questions, of course. So if that all makes sense, Jay, are you ready to talk movie figures, which is our big first topic? Or should we get to an icebreaker first? Uh, let's do the icebreaker. Let's ease into it. Sure, easing into it. This week's icebreaker is a tough one. This is a classic McCallum, Kobayashi Maru scenario for my good friend, Jay Bartlett. Jay, you have to choose path A or path A, or path B. Path A or path A? You have to choose between A or B. Path A means you can only collect current things that come out. No vintage whatsoever. But path B means you only collect older stuff that's already been released for quite some time. Minimum 10-year gap. Which path do you choose? Oh, why do you do this to me? Why do you just you just sit around at night and think of this stuff just to mess with my mind? Specifically to mess with you, yes. Jeez, oh, what a good one. Oh, I, I'm gonna say let's go vintage. Oh, it's the wrong oh, answer. No, I'm gonna go I'm gonna really vintage. If there's wow. a 10 year gap, eventually it will catch up to modern stuff i guess so but you yeah, know I'm the curse vintage. with vintage though you know the curse with I'm vintage sure though is that everything costs more to get it later than getting it when it first comes out and getting those packaged figures in pristine condition good luck <laughs> thanks i'm pretty good at it so i have all the confidence in myself i don't know i'm yeah, looking at your um, little dolly shelf behind you and i don't see too many uh, packaged figures there Oh, they're on all the walls surrounding it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've seen okay. the studio. Come on, I don't know. I I love the new stuff. Obviously, I collect way too much of it. I collect way too many series for my own good and my own bank account's health. But I I got to go with vintage. It's just um, the nostalgia. I just think for the most part, a lot of the figures are just built better. So uh, I'm gonna go vintage, and I'm gonna stick to it. What What about you? What would you do? Because I'm anxious to hear. Your answer. Oh, I would take vintage 100%. Because then I wouldn't have any anxiety about missing out on any of the new stuff. Because it'd be like, oh, can't get it. Doesn't matter. It's not part of my new rule. Uh, and it would probably make it a little bit easier to collect. Because I'd be more focused. And so even if I had to pay a little bit extra for the figures, I'd be getting the ones that I truly wanted for the shelf behind me. Because the shelf must represent my soul. It must truly project my persona to the audience of me as I'm the only one that gazes upon it. Does anybody else go down in that room in your house or is it just you? Oh, I'm not in a house. I'm outside. 
<laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, no one really comes into the studio. So yeah, as long as you're happy with your shelf life and I'm happy with my shelf life, then we can all be happy together. I do want to say that there are now live on Retro Rags Limited, the Jane Rob Toy Show shirts up for grabs. It has our new logo, Whoa. which you can see, of course, in our logo bug on the top of the screen over there, over there, over there. And uh, it has that and on the back. This is the Jane Rob Toy Show. I think we might get some alternate ones made up that say my shelf life. I'm a pro shelfer or something like that, because those are phrases that, that we're starting to use a little more frequently. It's almost catchphrase territory, Jay. Well, I mean, you use them. You do. You just I said pro shelfer. Yet, but... You just well, said pro shelfer. You're your shelf life. Me now. Do, hey, can I ask you a do I do I get one of these free shirts or do I get a pay? Oh, they're not free. There's nothing oh, that's free. Of course. Of course. I don't get anything free. I have to pay for everything, ah, just like you do. Ah, yeah, here. Of course, our other show, our other show that we announced, five favorite figures, will also have a shirt and will be up on Retro Rags at some point soon too. Point is, go visit Retro Rags. I think even if you just search Action Figure Adventure, you will see all of our merchandise that's up there. If not, just type Jane Rob Toy Show or five favorite figures, and I guarantee you will find it as well. And don't forget, posters for Action Figure Adventure are on there as well. And surprisingly, I thought the link was going to be taken down last Friday. Big Bad Toy Store still has a pre-order link up for Blu-rays of Action Figure Adventure for anybody else that has missed out on Season 1. And Jay, I actually got some cool news about that today. I had, sure, yeah. uh, I, had a, I had a backer reach out because I posted an update on Kickstarter sharing all our big, fancy, glorious news. And they said, is the Blu-ray available still? Because I only backed the digital and after watching it, they, I, I assume that they wanted to have the physical product. So I thought that was really cool that even though somebody already had the series digitally, they wanted to, to jump up. They wanted to get something to put on their shelf. Again, the shelf talk. And, and I totally agree. That person <laughs> is very smart because you want that physical item. You want to be able to touch it. You want to be able to lend it to your buddy if you want. I'm all for the physical. So I'll be pre-ordering my copy because, as you know, <laughs> they're I'm not, not free. free one either. So there you go. <laughs> Big bad toy store. I'll see you there. <laughs> I'm not getting a free one either, buddy. Don't worry. I'm pre-ordering my copy as well because, you know, all right, Tiger, trying. let's move on. We're trying to we're trying to get to season two. All yeah. right. Well, let's talk movie figures. Let's talk movie figures, Jay. There is so much to go down. I almost feel like every topic about action figures is inevitably kind of about a movie figure. Star Wars is a movie, so Star Wars figures must be movie figures. But I thought, let's pump the brakes. In other discussions, we've talked James Bond and how they should have action figures and how come Indiana Jones doesn't have a more robust line or hasn't had more successful releases. I thought we should dial it back and go to stage one and try to determine... What makes a movie figure worthy? Your big catchphrase for action figure adventure was, is it auction worthy when looking at all these different pieces? So mm. imagine you work at a toy studio and you're trying to figure out what stuff to release. On your list of movies, what makes a movie figure worthy? What's the criteria that it must have? Well, I would say, you know, obviously Star Wars is the template for this. You have to have interesting characters, uh, great set locations, um, be able to continue that story in your head. I, I love the movie Disney's Black Hole, as you know, and for, for a few reasons that line didn't succeed because everything that I just mentioned, the Black Hole didn't have. So that's an example of what not to do. Uh, Black Hole is very A to B. The characters are very, um, it's just a very adult-themed kind of, how do I put it? Like It's just an adult-themed kind of movie. Where Star Wars, you can kind of make your own adventures of Luke Skywalker. But in you know, the black hole, you're not going to have your own adventures of Dr. Hans Reinhardt. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So some sort of extended play beyond yeah. the, the scenarios depicted. And I think you're right there. I know talking to people about, you know, how they used to play, they would say, well, we'd play out the movie first and then come up with our own adventures. Do you, how much of a factor do you think box office is? Because if a film comes out and doesn't do well at a box office, that's got to say something about its popularity, right? So if it's not popular, it wouldn't get figures. But most of the time, um, 
I'm going to use the G.I. Joe film as an example. These figures are cast and put way into production long before the movie comes out. So Hasbro already kind of has an idea of what they're going to do. Yeah, that's fair. And both Transformers and G.I. Joe were huge kind of pushes to reignite those those franchises. And like you said, it takes you know a year to two years sometimes, depending on the line assortment to get it up and ready to have released at retail for when the film drops. But those are franchises you can bank on a bit of a popularity. But if you have like a new film, like uh, let's say the Mission Impossible movies that are coming out, they're sure. the biggest action franchise in the world right now, Mission Impossible, followed I think currently underneath with Fast and the Furious. Big box office franchises, you know, seven, eight films in the franchise. Not a lot of action figures for them. Uh, no, you can see, you can imagine <laughs> the stunts and spy stuff and and everything else. Yeah. So, to your criteria, clearly you can have racing car adventures with Fast and the Furious, and Mission Impossible is you know very spy like like James Bond. So clearly you can play different missions, but somehow action figures are really not part of those properties. There have been releases, but not a lot, very minimal. Yeah, I don't think, and I've only ever seen the first Mission Impossible, maybe the second one, and, and for me, it was not even close to James Bond in, in quality. Um, I think Tom Cruise is really great in that film, but it's just, to me, it was really kind of boring. It was really dull. So, I mean, I can't be the only one who's thought that. I know it's a huge uh, blockbuster hit, and it made all this money, and that's great, but yeah, to your point, I don't think that particular series really warrants any kind of toys. Well, there were toys for the very first one, and not the most recent one, but the one before there was an adult six-inch scale of Tom Cruise as an action figure. And I would tell you this, the, the latest Mission Impossible flick is the best action film I have ever seen. It actually makes James Bond stuff look boring by comparison, if you can believe that. Now, maybe not all the other entries, but the most recent one. So again, it's sure. having me scratch my head the, the box office dollars are there. They're greenlighting these sequels and making them as fast as possible, yet something isn't connecting. Even, you know, James Cameron's Avatar film, there were figures for the very first one put out by Mattel, but again, it's not like these figures are a desirable like they would be now that they're 10 or 12 years old, or, or B, continuing to fill the atmosphere, but it has all those criteria of Star Wars that you mentioned. You know, fantasy lands, possible scenarios to play, clearly good guys and bad guys, interesting looking characters, but that doesn't hit the mark. Yeah, and I, it's going to surprise you. I've never seen Avatar as well. Um, when I saw the trailers, when it was, you know, first showing on TV, it just, it didn't look interesting to me at all. So I can't really comment on that particular film too much as I haven't seen it. Um, but Star Wars, every single character of the main cast is so interesting, uh, being the actor behind it or the actual character themselves. And it's it's hard to compete with Star Wars. Like Star Trek's a huge one too, where every single character on the bridge, let's just say, is just so interesting and everyone has their favorite. I can't name anyone from Avatar. And usually... Uh, you know, I haven't seen all the superhero movies either, but I can at least name who the who the characters are. I can't name one single person from Avatar. Yeah, and you know what? You're not really alone there. Uh, when we talked to Tommy Tellerico for Nintendo Quest, and he's talking about theme songs and how they get stuck in your head, and of course relating it to video games, he said, do me a favor, hum the theme to Avatar. It's the biggest film grossing in the world at the time. Right. But what's the theme yeah. song sound like? Can't yeah, do it. I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you, man. I have no clue. Yeah, so I don't know what it is about some of these films that clearly gross a lot of money. Avatar, there's the invention of kind of 3D technology, and that was a large component of their sales. But still, these are big films that do big business, and now there's you know four more Avatar films on the way, and yet it doesn't have the staying power that Star Wars has. Yet when you look at it on paper, everything should line up. Uh, you know, Titanic, there's another film Billions of dollars, James Cameron as well. Limited release figures. I mean, you can only play the Titanic scenario once or twice, I suppose. You know, hey, we're on the ship. No, we're not. 
<laughs> you know, like <sighs> to your point, your criteria, it doesn't lend itself to other scenarios. It's a pretty limited imagination space, you know, ring that bell, iceberg straight ahead, playtime's over. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> only, only you, my friend would say something like that. Only you would say something like that. I, I don't think Titanic, you know, the story of Jack and Rose is a great story. Sure. But you don't need figures. What are you going to, how are you going to play that? Like it's, it's a love story, right? It's like, why wasn't there pretty and pink figures? Actually, why wasn't there pretty and pink figures? I don't know. I'm surprised there aren't pretty and pink fi figures or any of the Brad so Pack stuff. I mean, the, you could have a whole John Hughes line and people would line up for it, right? Not Yeah, not in a massive retail release like Walmart's and Toys R Us, but I think the adult collector McFarlane stuff, you could really do that. I think that would be pretty cool. Okay, so we're going to take your criteria and a bit of what I've said to you and flip it on its head and look at some stuff that has been released and question that. And I want to point to one thing right away. And it's, again, a franchise that I should be picking up and should be putting on the shelf. And that's these NECA Back to the Future figures. Now, I have some issues with some of the designs, specifically Marty in radiation suit. Looks like he's wearing a giant diaper. Uh, but... <laughs> I mean, sure, you can go back in time and play with these figures. Not that they're really designed to be played with, but like the way that the figures come, it's all clearly about this film or that film, and it's just limited. So is that more just about nostalgia, do you think, than it is actually about trying to say, here's a line to play with, like Star Wars? It is. I mean, even when we were kids growing up, I don't remember us ever saying, I wish we had a Back to the Future toy line. We all wanted the DeLorean car, sure, because that's iconic, like Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters and all that kind of thing. But I don't ever remember wanting to be Marty McFly, like Luke Skywalker. You know, I wanted to play as Marty McFly and go to these different time periods, which, if you think about it, that would be really cool because you could go to the different worlds of all the other figures, right? Um, NECA, I mean, they had, they had a opinion, cartoon series that, that kind of did that and supported it, of course. Sure, yeah. I'm just going to comment about NECA, and, and they're such a great company, and the figures they make are fantastic. My one problem is the clothing. When they, when they do cloth clothing instead of molded plastic on the figures, more times than not, it looks, like you said, baggy, bulky, like, like a diaper. I saw the two-pack of Bill and Ted, the Wild Steins two-pack from the first film, and I passed on it because Keona Reeves, uh, his pink jacket was so big it just looked, you know, I was just kind of scratching my head. Like, why didn't they make that molded plastic? It would have looked so much cooler. Now, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of complaining about figures because you and I typically like to celebrate figures. But maybe you can answer me this question. And I think it's a NECA thing. So, again, we're not picking on NECA. Just curious. No. How many Predator or Alien figures do we need? I feel like... <laughs> There are like six new Predators and six new Alien, Alien Dog, Alien This, Alien That, Predator This Guy, wow. Predator 100th. Like maybe there's a whole bunch of lore that I don't understand, but it just seems a little much. What do you think? Well, I mean, well, are they based I'm on movies to... or are they not? I think a lot of that stuff is, I think, Dark Horse. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit there because that's not something that we're particularly into, Predator and Aliens. Um, I love the first Predator movie. But there is this huge lore built around that, and I think that's, you know, so many of these franchises have taken a page out of Star Wars book where it's like, hey, you know, Halo is a perfect example. Halo is a story about a Marine who lands on this planet and he shoots aliens. But now there's all these books and there's fan movies and stuff like that, just expanding on this one soldier. I think Alien is a lot like that. You and I have never been into those two series. So Alien and Predator fans, you know, I don't think there's enough. I think they just want more and more. Now I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I am actually a pretty big Alien <laughs> or Aliens fan. I even bought the reaction stuff that they released, and there's a couple variations on it because I really like the three and three quarter style of Ripley and and Hicks and Dallas, and the Xenomorphs are pretty cool. Even even the bigger Xenomorphs that NECA did are are pretty awesome. 
but you know going to heroes or wherever we are and you look at the shelf and there's like pegs and pegs of xenomorphs and, and predators i'm just thinking i don't know this is where i feel old because i just don't see the difference between them like they're just it isn't eye-catching enough to know that this one is a xenomorph knight or wizard or something and this one isn't because <laughs> it's xenomorph wizard black. i i don't hey i power to all the predator and alien fans out there i don't understand how you collect that stuff i think our good friend peter willer is quite into that stuff and god bless him for for wanting to go down that shelf that's just not a shelf i can go down at this point but you know power to you if you want to collect predator there just seems to be a ton of it and and i can't get behind it uh, what do you think of one-off movie figures like that are kind of celebratory? Mezco, which does a lot of six in, or six scale, twelve-inch figures, just released a 1978 Superman figure, cloth goods, everything, highly articulated, highly poseable, likeness, bang on, not nearly as pricey as you know a Hot Toys or a sideshow kind of piece. Are those the kind of things that interest you when it comes to movie figures outside of Star Wars? I don't mind the one-offs. Uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman is the Superman we love, right? That's what we grew up with. I don't mind that kind of stuff. I, but I, I tend to stay away from the bigger scale and, again, the cloth clothing, and that's more, in my opinion, of a doll. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not something that I like to collect. I think there's a place for that kind of stuff. Um, DC Universe, the McFarlane stuff, they're doing great work like that where they're bringing out the animated Superman that they're bringing out you know, uh, the Superman from Justice League, all these different versions of that. So, yeah, I definitely think there's a spot for it. Pre-Star Wars, uh, a lot of figures that we're getting are based more on cartoons, a couple on series, but uh, or pre-Star Wars, everything seems to be based on movies. After Star Wars, you get the rise of the 80s, and every figure kind of has a cartoon tie-in. Sometimes there's movies that spin off on that, but it's kind of like, here's your weekly show, here's your figure set that goes for it. But before Star Wars, it was like, let's pick Clash of the Titans and release a line for that. Or here's Planet of the Apes, and here's our line for that. What pre-Star Wars movies do you think had great action figure lines? Pre-Star Wars movies. I can't think of any off the top of my head. That was kind of 1978 when those figures came out. That, that was just because Black Hole was after that. Clash of the Titans was after that. Uh, Buck Rogers was around that time. I think it was after that. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't really think of it. Even the Star Trek movie was the first one was 1980, I believe, 7980. Yeah, I can't think. Yeah. You you fire one off. I can't think of one. No, I'm drawing a blank. I was legitimately asking which movie lines yeah. really appeal to you. I mean, Planet of the Apes, like the Mego stuff, is pretty cool. I like the playsets. But again, if you're going to draw a distinction between something that's more of a doll versus a toy or action figure not that there's anything wrong with that that's jay's no. preference i like to call them toys i like to play with them jay is a anti-dollist apparently he doesn't have dolls on his shelf is that true <laughs> no i have Are you an anti-dollite I, I have a world's greatest superhero around here somewhere i think i think i have spider-man still i think he's in the basement <laughs> i don't have anything against <laughs> it but i couldn't tell you where it is he's in a bin in the basement somewhere i think <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the planet of the ape, ape stuff is really awesome and of course that was the sci-fi standard for so long but you brought up star trek again and track how come those lines aren't more successful than they are how come we don't if star wars can last all the time how come trek cannot well the motion picture came out uh that film i i've come to appreciate it in my adulthood but that film is very slow paced. So after you see something like Star Wars and then you watch Star Trek, the motion picture, and I know that can't really be compared other than the fact that they're both in space, but that movie is, it's not boring, but it's very, very, very slow. So they brought out, uh, Amigo brought out a 3.75 inch action figure line based off of that movie. Okay. It didn't really do anything. They didn't have accessories. They all basically had the same body. Um, <clears throat> it just didn't work. Wrath of Khan comes out. What happens? They don't bring out any action figures for that. And Star Trek II is probably the best of the films. And then, again, I think Irwin released uh, Star Trek III, Search for Spock figures. Again, that movie's a little odd. 
they just can't they can't seem to get it right until you're getting into um the 90s star trek the playmates stuff of course right but how come if star wars can last all the time because it has all the things that trek has all the same things as star wars right interesting characters yeah interesting landscapes and places for them to do clearly able to envision other adventures beyond the film or the tv series at that point yet no line can stick there's not one iteration of Trek fig- figures that sticks for for the like the long term. Sure, we had like four or five years here and four or five years there, but not like Star Wars where we had like nine years and then from like ninety five to now. You know, that's it's really strange to me that it hasn't <sighs> caught on in a long term cohesiveness that gets collectors really excited. You can't compete with Star Wars. You just can't, uh, and it's not even. It's not even a matter of taste. Like statistically, you just you can't beat Star Wars on almost every front. It's just it's the biggest phenomenon on this planet, right? As far as pop culture goes. So, you know, who's gonna go against that and win? What other toy line has um, consistently had toys on the shelf in retail stores, save for maybe a space of 10 years from 85 to 95, there was nothing. But uh, all these years, 30, 40 years later, there's always been Star Wars stuff on the shelves. That's crazy. It is crazy, and I compare it again to Trek because there's been a lot of Trek in the media side of things that you would think would at least keep the figures relevant. You know, you've got the original cast movies, then you have the next-gen series, and then you have Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and it just doesn't end, and then you have the next-gen movies, and then you have Enterprise, and then you have the reboot movies that's are, that are happening in a parallel universe, and then you've got shows on now, like Discovery, and I think it's Below Decks is, is the latest animated offering, and there's more coming, and yet those shows and all that media does very well. It, the, the Trek fans really love it, but there's sure. no figures for them in a, in a constant way like a constant pipeline and it's crazy i would love honestly i would honestly love if hasbro somehow got the license to trek so they could apply their star wars rationale to clearly what i would say is the first true like multiverse of of shared characters and combined shows that would be awesome uh playmates did do that for a while where they had um so they would have kirk right so they would have um yellow shirt kirk from the original series then there would be Kirk from Rathacon and then Kirk from Star Trek four and the civilian outfit and all that. So they did start to do that. And I don't know enough about Star Trek personally or collecting Star Trek to even begin to, you know, be an expert on this topic. So I'm just going to leave that, but there is one reason. Um, there's got to be some reason why it phased out. And, and like you said, they can't keep like it's Star Wars has been Kenner the whole time. And even Kenner when Hasbro bought them for a bit. And now it's just Hasbro where, like you said, Star Trek has gone from Mego to playmates to McFarlane. Yeah. I, I can't answer that. It's strange, but that sound of course means that it's time for our action figure spotlight. And of course we're going to show some movie figures. Jay, do you want to go first <laughs> or should I go first with the movie figures? No, I, I can go. So I have, All right. <laughs> Now, before I show this, I just want everyone out there not to attack me because I absolutely love the uh, 1987 Masters of the Universe live-action movie. And this is He-Man, Rebel Leader He-Man from that film. Now, typically, I don't like it when a character that I grew up with and that I love gets kind of a makeover. Like, this is like a post-apocalyptic He-Man, if you know you would agree with me there. Normally, I don't like that, but the whole tone of that film is like that. It's very gritty. It's kind of Conan-ish, and of course, Dolph Lundgren, who I think, against the popular vote, is a fantastic He-Man. But this figure articulates it perfectly. There's two different heads, so you can have more of a cartoonish head, or uh, as you can see, I have the Dolph Lundgren head. The power sword is completely different. He has a dagger. And what is fantastic about this figure is that I'm a big fan of when figures can hold all their weapons. And He-Man can certainly hold all of his, even as a sheath in the back for the power sword. He has a blaster that comes out, and that was the selling point for me. I remember when we were shooting action figure adventure in the studio here, actually. Um, you pulled this figure out, and I fell absolutely in love with it. 
I, I just love that film. It's so nostalgic to me, and I'm so happy that uh, we finally got a figure of it. Now, is that your favorite movie figure in your entire collection? Aside from Star Wars, um, I would probably one figure, say, yeah. One, just one figure. Is that your favorite single movie figure in your entire collection? Yes. I would say yes. Wow. What an honor reserved for Rebel Leader He-Man. There he is. Right. Yeah, I he's guess, awesome. Uh, that means it's my turn to try to follow that act. And I'm going to NECA, despite you know all my criticisms of all their predator figures, their hundredth predator and all that stuff. So my <laughs> figure this week, my figure this week is a Coraline doll. Uh, it's a fully posable, almost bendy-like armature inside. You can take half her face off here and adjust her eyes. There was not a lot of Coraline figures released at all. Comic-Con had some four-inch scale figures that were released with the other mother. Jay, I don't know if Coraline is a, is a movie that you're familiar with, but my kids are obsessed with it. It is creepy. It is dark. The, the villain lures Coraline into the other world, which is like a mirror world, in, or, in order for her to stay there and get all her dreams. She wants to sew buttons on her eyes and take her eyes out. So it's oh, creepy. It's a kid's film. <laughs> But it is fantastic. And of course, the figure looks exactly like uh, the stop motion puppet that they created uh, by Leica for the film itself. So there's this release and there's a second release uh, with an alternate outfit that Coraline wears inside. She, here she is wearing her raincoat attire. And of course, it, has, it feels like that raincoat material that you would have as a kid, that yellow plastic uh, vibe. And even the denim jeans feel like denim and of course the boots. So it's really cool because it's highly posable. And there is just not a lot of Coraline stuff out there. So of all the movie figures I have, this is definitely top five for sure. It's rare. It's super representational of the source material. And it's just a, a nice, fun homage to, to a film that sticks with me. And now my kids love it too. That's awesome. And, and, and the cloth clothing on the figure looks great. So there you go. I agree. And that not that a nice touch? Because half the time, like you... I'm always put off as like, is the cloth a little too much? Is it too big? Is it too puffy? Does it fit just right? Should they have gone plastic? This was a good example uh, of way to, of, of that way to go. So Jay, to, to wrap up our, our discussion on movie figures, where, where do you go forward with movie figures? Are there movie figures that you're looking at specifically outside of Star Wars to your collection? Or do you have any rules for movie figures? I don't have rules, my friend. Rules are made to be broken. Uh, that being said, I've started to go down a really dangerous rabbit hole, and that is the Kenner Indiana Jones figure line, which, sad to say, when I was a kid, I had most of them, and I honestly, I don't know what happened to them, which is really strange because everything was kept. But um, I'm starting to look into that. I got a couple of them. I got Indy himself. And just looking at stuff like the Well of the Souls playset. And uh, I mean, this stuff is worth a fortune. So it's going to be a fun project over the next couple of years to, to kind of collect all that stuff. Well, good luck to you, sir. That is a thank you. That is a difficult endeavor. We're going to pause before we get to our next segment. I just want to acknowledge some of the people in our chat here, Jay. We've been, uh, been just filling up with comments here. We've got our, our staple viewers, which I always love. We've got Nathan Scott and Keelan, who is checking things out, of course. Uh, Danny is obviously here. Uh, Scott, we got Lisa Bearcat. Lisa, you are just on every single one of these broadcasts. It is so lovely to see you come be a part of this. Lisa, the horns go to you. It is lovely. As, as, as always, as always, quite, quite lovely. Uh, who else do we got in here? We got Motu Joe. He's saying uh, on the movie side, based on your listing criteria, why is the element missing is a cartoon? Cartoons more often than not lead to toys. Not wrong. Nelson loves my talk about Titanic toys, apparently. Uh, Michael Heddle <laughs> is, is in the chat, who is uh, the owner of Bounty Hunter, Jay. And he says, hey, guys, do I get my copy of Action Figure Adventure signed? Uh, we have Lindsay Smith in the chat who says, wow, she loves Coraline. She loves that movie. So, And Danny says, uh, Dark Despot. Uh, was the Lost Skeletor, or Dark Despot Skeletor, is that what you're talking about here, Danny? The Lost Skeleton Walks Among Us. I don't really know what that means, Danny, but we're going to we're gonna just <laughs> say okay, and we're going to move on. 
you ready to talk about topic number two? And that's vehicles. We didn't advertise it, but we're going to go the extra distance and talk about vehicles if that's okay with you, Jay. I am so ready, and I can't wait to show you my vehicle spotlight a little bit later, but let's get to it. Well, this is the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and I am your host, Rob McCallum, a.k.a. Rob McZob. But that's only one person, and we always give you two people every episode. So let's bring on that second person. Now, I bet you can guess who that is this time. It is my good friend, Jay Bartlett, the storm shadow to my snake eyes. Jay, are you excited to talk toys once more? I have returned, my friend. I am very excited. I'm always excited to talk about toys with you. You know that. We talk about That's what we do. That's, that's all we do. Let's go. Well, well, let's get talking, and let's talk vehicles this time. People talk about playsets. People talk about figures ad nauseum. And somewhere in the background, after variance and points of articulation and, and shelfability, vehicles gets brought up. To you, what is the role or function of a vehicle when it comes to playtime? Well, it adds to the adventure. Uh, something like Star Wars, you need ships. You need mounts. You just have to have that because you know most people say, including myself, that the Millennium Falcon is a character in itself. The Starship Enterprise is also a character in Star Trek, right? It's, you need them. G.I. Joe needs vehicles. Transformers are the vehicles. You need all that stuff. He-Man needs a battle cat. You need the battle ram. They're just, they're, they're absolutely mandatory. What do they do for playtime? Because stuff like the Enterprise, I mean, there's playsets based on small portions of that vehicle, right? So the line between vehicle and playset can get blurred. What, what does a vehicle do during playtime, do you think? What do you remember vehicles did when you played? My favorite playtime stories always revolve around the neighborhood and we played the mass device which was a mini series from gi joe the very first mini series where cobra and gi joe are racing to get these three elements at different places on the planets and whoever got all three of them won the battle kind of thing the vehicles got them there you always started off uh, in the ground you know, or sorry in the air the sky strikers versus the rattlers and then you would bring it down to the ground so the vehicles were absolutely necessary to get your figures to these areas, first and foremost. Yeah, I agree. I think vehicles are a bit of a power-up opportunity. If you've got like a whole basement, like I remember you and I playing with, and you've got G.I. Joe figures, and it's like tunnel rat and jinx on one side, and you had to get to the other, and there's like swamp or lava in the middle, it's going to be pretty hard for those figures at that scale to go across an entire, you know, carpet on their own, like walking through it and sure you can dodge ahead. But once you got into, you know, a sky striker or something, you could take off and you could go anywhere and do anything. It was like yeah. a suit of armor, like a video game power up. And it was just fantastic. And you, you mentioned the Falcon to me, it's not just a character on itself. It's also an extension of characters, right? So Han Solo's yeah, great sure. on his own. Han is awesome on his own. But Han Solo needs the Millennium Falcon because the Falcon is an extension of everything who he is. Rough around the edges, but able to get the job done and always be like kind of surprising you every step of the way. It is like a perfect reflection of that character, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, the Falcon is uh, probably the most incredible vehicle in all of pop culture. In my opinion, it's the ship that's the fastest in the galaxy, but doesn't always really work uh you know kind of like han it's really unpredictable so yeah it's totally an extension are we really gonna have the talk about best pop culture vehicle why well, it's it, we can have a talk but i mean that's a fact i mean if you want to debate that we can do that but you you know that that's the answer there's there's no arguing there well i i have to disagree with you and you know what we're gonna save that talk shock. because i'm gonna I'm going to bait you into Kobayashi Maru later on, and then okay. you can sounds good, man. You can, you can decide which is the greater vehicle, because I was up all night trying to find a way to make you have to pick between the lesser of. Two Don't even do the Enterprise and the Falcon because that's it's not even a contest. But anyway, let's I, move I on. didn't I didn't say what makes a great vehicle. 
I would say play features. Uh, again, um, I won't pick the Falcon again because the, the Falcon's almost like it's a vehicle and a playset. Well, uh, let's use like the Sky Striker from GI Joe. Uh, it's accurate to the to the jet it's trying to represent. There is um, little cockpits with with sticker decals, you know, to show all the instruments. The seats come out and they have their own separate parachutes, that kind of thing. That to me is just such a well crafted toy, and it just there's so much replayability to it. Just like the Captain Power Jet. Not even close. No. Come no. on. The Captain Power Jet is no. pretty wicked no. because it's a toy that's also interactive with your TV screen. That's a great play feature. It, that's a great play feature, but I'm talking aesthetically. I mean, the, the ship looks cool, but I don't think you can compare the cockpit of the Captain Power Jet. I don't even know what it's called. Compared it to the Sky Striker from G.I. Joe. I mean, hey, man, that's just me. I, there's no comparison, though. I don't know. I think I think it's a pretty tight race when you actually kind of put them <laughs> side by side and really balance it out. You'll see that they're kind of one in the same, and there isn't much difference. I think it's the XL jet from Captain Power, the white one, of course, the Hero Craft versus the, the, the black one for, for Lord Dread. But, you know, yeah. to each their own, to each their own. What makes a bad vehicle, then? Ooh, scale. There's been a few vehicles that um, I was gonna say Snake Mountain, but that's a playset where the scale is off from the line, so uh, your figures really have tough times getting into the seats and stuff like that. There's a ton of Joe vehicles like that, especially later on down the run in the '90s. The Joes just don't fit, or their heads are sticking out, and it's. Uh, it's that's just bad. I mean, I don't know who made these design choices. Maybe they were running out of ideas, but the figure has to be in scale with the vehicle, plain and simple. You mentioned the 90s, and the first thing I think of, of course, are the turtle vehicles that we got. And there are some strange turtle vehicles. Like, do you remember the inner tubes? Like, you put them yes, in the tube, yes. and like, you unless you're actually putting them in water, the tube is always just going to sit around them like a giant hula hoop. That's pretty awkward. Yeah. You can't exactly do much with that. And then like the weird sewer skimmers and like the stuff that threw like trash. It, it just doesn't work. And honestly, as much as I love Masters, something like Strider or Night Stalker, the horses that are just like one mold and you shove the figure in and you kind of, yeah. <laughs> like gallop them along. It just, <laughs> why would He-Man ever go in Strider when he's got Battle Cat? It makes no sense. So that, like, the vehicle disconnect. Yeah, I'm probably way off here. You're the master's expert, so correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Stridor created for Fisto or something like that? Or am I off there? There's, I believe there's packings with He-Man and Stridor, though, where he's, like, there, and right. he's, I know he's pictured in Stridor. Like, it's just... You know what? Maybe Man at Arms made them maybe just to give Battle Cat a break once in a while so Cringer can sleep. And I, I don't know, but I, I think Stridor was in like one episode, I believe. And yeah, I remember when that thing came out, we both had it. And yeah, that was the last thing that got picked when we were picking our vehicles. It was always Battle Cat and Panther got picked first. The Battle Ram, Wind Raider, those all went first. And then Stridor Roton. was just in the stable by himself. Roton was cool. Yeah. 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 Even the Bantasaur that Hordak had was cool, but again, it was like a mount, right? Which, of course, are vehicles. I consider Battle Cat a vehicle. Would you? I, I would. I, I would count uh, a mount, any kind of mount as a vehicle. Uh, but Stridor almost, to me, was like, it's something the Queen would ride in or something. Very royal, you know, not really a, a battle kind of mount, although he was. But uh, he just looks like he's just made for just, you know, taxiing people, not for fighting. Just kind of disappointing, which, of course, brings me to our favorite line to discuss when it comes to vehicles. Because there's one surefire hit and so many misses, and that's superpowers. Oh, you know yeah. the hit. <laughs> you know the hit. Yeah. Oh. Hit, of course, is... Oh, it's, it's the Batmobile. That car is so gorgeous and i'm not talking about any batmobile the superpowers toy batmobile is we both agree there's no debate here that's one of the greatest toys of all time 
I've never owned it. I, I think you've owned it a couple times. I've never owned that car. It's so gorgeous. But it was like they felt they could do no wrong at Kenner with superpowers. Like, look at this amazing Batmobile we've now created. <laughs> if I Batman has a car, if Batman has a car, surely Superman must need a vehicle as well. Let's give Superman a jet. Or let's give him like stilt leg walkers because Superman needs to walk yeah. and fly with vehicle assistance. This is an alien from another planet who can fly so fast that he can turn back time. But yeah, some executive at uh, Kenner decided that, hey, you know what? I, I, he needs to get around a little bit uh, quicker. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's I want that thing just because it's so out there as far as ideas goes, and it makes no sense. Obviously, it's just to make more money. I get that, the business side of it. But you could have given it to Aquaman or... I mean, Could Robin had it like one. The, they could have given it. Yeah, call it the Justice Jet, and then anybody in the Justice League yeah. can use it. Don't call it the Super Jet or whatever the stupid thing is. Oh, but then you can because then you have to have it color coded. It's got to be blue and red and yellow like Superman, right? Oh, that thing's awful. <sighs> Speaking of Batmobiles, of course, '89 Tim Burton Batman had a pretty classic and iconic Batmobile as well that new you know, mm -hmm. sleek redesign. What I hated about that Batmobile in particular was the cocoon shell that had to go over top of it because of that one or two scenes in that movie where, of course, the armor goes up. And that cocoon shell is so fragile and brittle. It's like made it a like birthday party hat and plastic. It just like tears yeah. and rips and, oh. Did you ever have that one? No, you did. You had most of the uh, Tim Burton Batman stuff. Uh, I liked that shell. I thought it was just a really cool little bonus. You didn't have to use it. It wasn't um, built into the vehicle, so you didn't have to transform it or anything. Like you said, you literally, like a cake pan, just put it on top of it. I thought it was really neat because that scene's yeah, cool. But, in, in, uh... but think about this, okay? You and I are playing. I've got the Batmobile. Here you come up to destroy me. It's like, nope, cake pan. Can't hurt me. Can't hurt me. Oh, cake fan off. Here I go. Oh, cake fan. <laughs> you got oh, to use your imagination. Can you imagine trying to make a toy where it actually, all those little flaps came out? Like, forget it. You could probably do it now, no problem. But back then, I, I don't know. Man, I thought it was cool. It's just a switch. But okay, as a collector now, what are the yeah. odds of finding that plastic shell in mint condition if you're not talking a sealed one? It's always That's going to be one of those... That's going to be one of those very difficult pieces to, to find intact for sure. Because I think yours, and as much as we never played with it that much, like the shell part, uh, the bottom, remember, would get tears just from taking it off. It was like so fragile back then. So now, oh, it's probably like a piece of glass. You know, if you dropped it a little bit, it would probably shatter. Now, you mentioned that you didn't get the 89 Batman Batmobile. I want to talk about vehicles that we never got. Either stuff that was never made or stuff that we missed out on when it was playtime for us. Is there something that comes to mind for you that we completely missed out on? Stuff that I don't have in my collection currently or when we were growing up? Yeah. Well, what are, what are some vehicles that you didn't have growing up that were out there but for whatever reason, your mom or you you never bought for yourself or that were never made. That's tough because I was, spo I was spoiled. I really was. I was very, very lucky. Uh, mom bought me a ton of stuff. Off the top of my head, one that you love is the, uh, the Defiant from G.I. Joe, the Space Shuttle Launch Bay, which is, it's a playset and a vehicle in one. But that's one that I, I always wanted, and that came out later in the Joe line. I think it was 87 that came out. Very expensive, like the flag. So it wasn't one that I had, but it, that's one that comes off the top of my head. For me, it's way more obvious. I have never had any single iteration of the Millennium Falcon. If really? I've never had a single version. And I'll tell you this. While we were filming Action Figure Adventure, we, of course, went into a lot of stores that had a lot of great Star Wars stuff. 
and had boxed versions from, you know, Star Wars or Empire or Jedi, uh, Vintage Collection. I was just like, oh, is this the time to do it or not do it? It's just one that I've always missed out on. And now I've never really collected Star Wars, but if you're going to have one Star Wars vehicle, it's going to be the Falcon. Maybe an X-Wing yeah. if you just want to have Luke in an X-Wing. But it's probably going to be the Falcon because everybody can go in that and be a part of it. Never going to be the Falcon because then you can get the gang and put them all together for sure. Yeah, that's... I mean, I can believe it. I remember you you dabbled in uh, Phantom Menace stuff. Like, you know, everyone was Phantom Menace crazy when that came out. And you got a few figures here and there, Power of the Force, I remember. But yeah, I can see that. And the Falcon has always been at least $100, right? Now it's, of course, like the vintage line one is, you know, eight $900, um, you know, on the reseller market. So... I can see that you didn't have it, but you owe it to yourself to get one because that's one of those vehicles that you want it to have like its own table. So it sits there and it looks like it's in its own docking bay and you could just marvel at how awesome it is. So this brings me to the Kobayashi Maru, Jay. I've been setting you up for it all along. I want you to tell me, Jay, what is the greatest vehicle for toys out there? Is it the Millennium Falcon? Is it Superpowers Batmobile, or will it be the Thunder Tank for Thundercats Ultimates? It's the... It's and the whatever you Falcon choose, sure. and, what, and whatever you choose, you can't ever have the other two. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> it's going to backfire on you, my friend, because that's not hard at all for me. It's the Millennium Falcon, 100%. As much as I love... Uh, Thundercats, as much as I love that superpower Batmobile, there's no contest. The Millennium Falcon is the most iconic vehicle, ship, playset. It's it's everything. Um, that ship is just everything. What if you had to pick between the flag and the Falcon? <laughs> oh, no. No. Between the flag and the Falcon. Oh, no. Oh. Is it the Legacy Falcon, like the one-to-one -one that I have? Because that's the sure, yeah, that's the good one. Uh, oh, come on, come on! I can't pick. I plead the fifth. I will not pick. I will not. What about the what about the Falcon and the Sail Barge? Oh, the Falcon, hundred percent, hundred percent. Get out of here! Get out of here! There's just so here. much history with the Falcon. The barge is great for its size. Um, you know, it's a great collector's piece, and it's a fantastic toy. With the Falcon, and you get this. Come on, man. You can think of a better one than that. You know, run along. Well, that means it's time for action figure spotlight, or in this case, vehicle spotlight. Jay, are you going to be holding up the Millennium Falcon for us to see, or do you have something else you want to showcase for your big specific spotlight on vehicles? I'm going to keep it so simplistic it hurts. And no, I couldn't hold the, the Legacy Falcon even if I wanted to. It's, it's just too big. So I'm going to go back, way back to our childhood, uh, to my childhood, 1982. That very first original line of Real American Hero toys. There was a toy that I wanted so badly that I never, ever got. My friend Darren... I talk about a lot. My friend Darren had this particular toy. I never did. I'm talking, of course, about the original G.I. Joe tank called the Mobat. Now, I know what you're thinking. Big whoop, right? It's just a green tank. It is so much more. First of all, it's motorized. So you put in like 16,000 D batteries or whatever it is. Uh, push the little cockpit forward or back, and it actually rolls real rubber treads mine that are still intact and it came with the trademark driver Steeler, who is tucked away in my collection right now but uh this thing is just so cool nothing is really compared as far as joe tanks go to me and this is um, a realistic tank i can't remember the tank it's modeled after but there's just something about this and of course it was one of those things that like i said i never had when i was a kid so when I'm an adult and I have my own money kind of thing, it was one of the first things I went out and grabbed. I actually have the box for this too. So there it is, the 1982 G.I. Joe Mobat. Well, that is a pretty nice piece. I am going for something that came out a few years later for my showcase spotlight this week. 
And that is this lovely piece here. Now, this is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle party wagon. And thankfully, Ooh. it's complete. Now, what I love about this, and it's not you know, anything flashy as a vehicle, but it's one of those vehicles where the whole team can sit inside there and they can travel around. A few little play features, the door will swing out. There are some smoke bombs and stuff that they can toss out there. But this vehicle, this vehicle here was such an integral part of playtime. The turtles would hop in from the sewer, wherever they were going. It might get blown up along the way and they would, you know, rush out. They would use it as part of like the battle wherever they were, inside, outside. It would be cover from the foot. It's just a fantastic vehicle. And if you're going to have the turtles, you've got to have the party wagon as well. Um, super cool. April can drive it. Donatello can drive it. Anybody can be a part of this. You can get lots of figures in there. Again, just such a great piece and one of the iconic vehicles of all time. I would agree, and I just recently picked up the Turtle Party Wagon as well, and I never had that either, and um, it, it's fantastic. And, and I, I agree with you. I like how all the turtles can go inside it. It's just, it's really big and hollow, and there's, like, a nice molded-on details. Uh, it's it's very simplistic in design, but it works. Yeah, it's big and hollow, but, like, with purpose. Like, it makes sense that there's a lot of space in there, and it doesn't take away from it versus, like, just something that is big and empty and like feels like redundant it it is perfect sure. for the for the play that it that it's designed for and it and it's awesome well as we wrap up our discussion on vehicles jay i'm curious are there other vehicles that you have yet to add to your collection what's on your hit list for vehicles oh, there's there's so many you know you know as well as i do the list doesn't end by design i suppose like i said the defiance Buck Rogers, the, the original 1979 Mego ship, which is astronomical in price. Um, I, I want that ship so bad. That's one that's on my list for this year. So, hey, we're traveling around in uh, season two. Maybe we find it. Could be great. Let's see if I can uh, score myself a Falcon at the same time. Then maybe we'll have a race. Who can get what first? That's not fair. That's not fair. The, the Buck Rogers ship is way rarer and way more expensive. <laughs> Forget it. Then the vintage Forget collection it. Falcon? Oh, the, the legacy one? Uh, you want to get the yeah. legacy? Well, you, you want the bad boy? You want the big one? Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. I, well, I would, I would take the Galaxy's Edge one. Sure. Yeah, it's the same mold, yeah, for sure. Yeah, do, do that. I mean, if, you, if you're going to get the Falcon, do it proper. The Kenner one is great. But I, I saw one actually the other day, and I hadn't seen one in a while. It's so tiny because the Legacy one is one-to-one. -one. Yeah. Go big or go home, right? That's what they say. All right. Well, let's turn it back over to the chat for a few minutes and see what everybody else has been saying here. It's been going off like crazy. Uh, <laughs> first thing I see here is Danny saying autocorrect got him. It was Dark, Dark Despot Skeletor. Uh, Nelson loves loading up uh, the G.I. Joe APC. It's always a party. Ryan Bates yes. is saying the DeLorean is the best pop culture vehicle. Neil Temple is saying the whale, it floats in waters. Danny has provided me with the correct Captain Power term, the Powerjet XT7, of course. Knew there was an X oh, in yes. there. Every cool jet yeah. has an X in there. Um, uh, da Danny's correct me. The black one is the Phantom Striker for Lord Dread. Who, by the way, Danny has invited me to do a Captain Power group on Facebook because he knows my love for it. <laughs> I don't quite have the knowledge yet. The passion is there, and the stuff I see posted is freaking amazing. Jay, I will talk to you about it when people don't have to hear my my ramblings. Yeah, Dan Danny is our Captain Power expert, 100% for sure. Uh, Lisa is chiming in again. Usually we only get the horns from Lisa at the top of the show. I feel like she's staying and watching the whole show now, which is very nice of you, Lisa. And she's saying she loves the new format, which is a very lovely comment to get. Uh, pizza thrower was deadly. Oh my God. I have two pizza throws right now. Both my kids love it. I will not give them pizzas because you will get bruises on those. Jay, do you remember the TMNT pizza thrower? The discs. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. I do. Ching, ching, ching. Oh my God. There was, uh, <laughs> Oh God! What was the the Masters one? It was the Blaster Hawk. Remember that? It was like the big red oh, bird. 
Yeah. Those, remember those? Awesome. It was modeled after those. Uh, those remember those pistols you could get that would shoot the discs? It's like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah those things killed, it, man. Yeah, exactly. Neil Temple is chiming in saying Strider does suck, and he's taught and he correctly identified the Justice Jogger, worst vehicle ever. <laughs> Good job, and, Neil. That was a deep cut. <laughs> and Danny chimes in one upping him. Didn't Superman's jet have fists on it? Because his 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 jet needs fists so it can punch. If Superman could not do that, I, I suppose. Um, I mean, I guess if it's gotta it's gotta expend a lot of energy flying all the time. If he gets tired, maybe he slept, he didn't sleep enough the night before, so he's gonna take his jet. I don't know, man. I don't know. Danny wanted most of Mask by the sounds of it. Uh, Neil Temple, the one toy he never had but wanted was Omega Supreme 85. Is it a playset? Is it a vehicle? Is it a figure? It's on all in one. He likes it's it. all of it. Yeah. Uh, Danny would also like the GoBots Command Center. Um, Ooh, that thing's wicked. Yeah. And Red, and Red is saying, give me a, an 83 Sky Striker any day. That is obviously a classic classic vehicle we do have a question of course from danny who is one of our patreon backers and quite active in the chat which is nice but let me take a second to thank all our patreon backers and that would be tim nathan bill matt jay danny ryan chris scott billy ben kyle nelson rodney nico adam and the plunderlings which is pretty awesome <laughs> um danny asks this week jay what is the worst action figure gimmick out there Okay, uh, off the top of my head, the worst would be the version two of Black Star that had the where his necklace would spark. So you would like like a Zippo lighter. You kind of there'd be friction on the back, and you'd flick it down, and the inside of Black Star's chest where the necklace was would light up. The sword lit up. That had nothing to do with anything. It was just a really stupid gimmick. And then you had the big flick knob hanging out the back, right? So they put a, a cape with that version of Black Star. It was just so unnecessary, just so dumb. I got to go to Mechanek for mine. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. part of the character, but who wants a long neck? <laughs> you know, it's just like, what do you want? It's like, I can't see over this. Quick, let's call Mechanek in because. What else is he going to do during the battle? And it's like, what and is he going to do like, when you're fighting him? Did. You're fighting with him, and he's fighting there, and someone's trying to hit him. He's like, oh, can't get me up here. And they're like, yeah, I can hit your body still. Your neck does nothing. <laughs> and frankly, on the figure, it's one direction. It's just straight up and down. And you've got a twist to get it to go up. So it's like, can't get me now. Oh, can't get me now. Oh. It just... I would have... Like to have been a fly on the wall on uh, a lot of these powwow meetings for character designs at Mattel. I'm, I'm can almost guarantee there was lots of alcohol involved. I guarantee that it was always what can't we do? Let's do everything. Yeah. I imagine so. Um, yeah. Just, just, just not a, a winner for me. Uh, Jay, you have recently crossed a big milestone in the social media world, and that is for a thousand subscribers on your YouTube channel, my friend. Congrats! That's a big deal. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, um, I started the format I'm in a year ago, so last March, uh, Optimus Prime versus Optimus Prime was my very first video in the current way of doing things that I do now. Um, so it's been a year, almost to the day, that that video came out, and I hit a thousand. And um, again, a shout out to Nathan if he's still in the chat, because he was number one thousand. And uh, everyone out there who watches my stuff weekly, who comments, I love talking toys with you guys. Thank you, because I love making them, and I'm going to keep making them if you keep watching them. That's awesome. Where else can people find you on the social interwebs, Jay? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And YouTube, I am just Jay Bartlett, but there's another one, and even another one. I sent you a picture the other day, my friend, of Chef Bartlett, who subscribed <laughs> to my channel. And uh, so there's the Exorcist, there's the Chef, and then there's just me. It's the Triforce of Bartlett. Yes. The triangle is now complete, as they would say. <laughs> We'll Chef Bartlett has got some way to go. He, he only has 24 subs. He's got a way to go, but that's okay. I'm going to sub to him. 
Just like I subbed to The Exorcist, just so I can have all the Bartlett I, I can handle. Isn't that the dream? <laughs> More Bartlett. You can find me on all the same spots as Jay at Rob McZob on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Of course, you got our action figure adventure our page on Facebook as well. And on Instagram, you can check out the channels or the profiles for five favorite figures and the Jay and Rob toy show as well. In addition to action figure adventure, because we are separating those now that their own TV series, which is Jay's advice. So it's been done. He said we should do it. He's the master now. So we're following that lead. Yep. It's exciting times. Any last parting thoughts, Jay? Uh, again, uh, you know, I can't say it enough to everyone out there. Thank you for supporting Rob and I. Rob and I have been doing this for close to 10 years now, about eight years. Uh, so we're getting up to that decade, if you can believe that. We love making this stuff for you guys. We love uh, your passion and sharing that passion with us. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm completely humbled. So thank you.